0: Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Good to see you all. I've got to say... It was fantastic, wasn't it, last Sunday? It was just so exciting. Who'd have thought uh, last October, November, December time that we'd be in the theatre? It wasn't even on the radar as a thought. And yet the three services came together, united as one, with lots of friends coming in from outside the church. So big congratulations to all of you who served, a hundred or so of you who were volunteering, and then all of you who brought friends. Um, I really believe that that platform at the centre of our community is a place that we should go more regularly. Who'd like to be there again? I heard people this week saying, can we go every week? And uh, uh, to be honest, I'd love to. But um, there's some logistics with the theatre and uh, how they can actually operate. And but they want to partner with us. It's good, isn't it? The community wants to partner. So if you're here for the first time and you came to our United celebration, welcome. If you're from the theatre and you're, you're part of that as well, welcome as well. So I'm really excited this morning to, to, to launch this new series, The King's Speech. There's a couple of key aspects of this that I will pull out um, we believe that God is living. We believe that God is active in His church and that God is building His church. Uh, we, you are not here by accident. You are here because God has called you here. Uh, despite what sometimes it may feel like, I believe that God draws people. He is the one who is the one who builds our churches and, and uh, fuels us with, with the right thinking and the right direction and the right heart and the right people. And so as we uh, look at this series... Um, and we start to create a foundation for the next few weeks. It's important that we we look at it carefully. Um, I'm excited as well because many years ago I was at a crossroads point in my own life. Not not from a negative thing. It was more of a God is speaking to me, but you know what's that next step going to look like? And there were a few choices. And who's ever been in that place where where you know you're at a kind of crossroads point? Actually, in our Christian journey, it happens all the time. Almost all the time, because it does happen all the time. We, when we, that's why we pray so often, because we know that God wants us to be close to Him, to follow Him. So if we're following Jesus, then we've got to choose to kind of get ourselves a little bit under control. So anyway, at a crossroads point, I was at a very large meeting in the north of England, and a, an eminent speaker talked about some stuff. I can't remember a thing that he spoke about. And uh, I'm sure you'll remember all of my message this morning. But I can't remember a thing he spoke about. All I can remember is that God spoke to me. And that's what happens when we are spiritually minded people. God will speak through something. You will all pick something up from this message this morning. And if you don't, you should ask God, why not? Because God is living and active by his spirit to bring stuff into our thinking. And there'll be something this morning that triggers in your thought. Um, But in that meeting, I can't remember what he spoke about. I just know I felt the prompt from God Go and speak to the man after the service and just ask him about how he is led by God. And you know what his answer to me was? Read the red words. That's all he said. Read the red words. And Adam knows this, that we've talked for a number of years. I've been wanting to get into the red words in uh, the New Testament. Because, of course, if you have a Bible, you'll know that often it's the red words, uh, which, well, I say often, the red words are the words that Jesus used. And we can get caught up in other stuff um, not that other stuff is bad, but you've got to get things in right context. But the, the words of Christ are so important in our lives that sometimes we ignore them because they seem so basic. But actually, they're very important to get to grips with. And so we're going to look at that this morning. You know, in our church, I was talking to Fru earlier, um, it's not really about church. It's about the kingdom of God. Um, and so we are drawn into God's kingdom for kingdom purposes, not for church purposes. Uh, collectively, we are the church, and each of us has a a part to play an important role. So um, moving forward, this morning we're going to look at some key things. The first thing I want to look at before we get into the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is Matthew 5, 6, 7. Um, We will only be taking the first few verses today. I want to talk about what God is doing right now in BCC. During the last week of prayer and fasting, God clearly spoke to me on the first day of the fast that He was going to mess around with the foundations of this church. Not the physical structure, but the spiritual stroke people structure of our church. That he's going to do it. Whether, you know, forget what anybody else, he's the one who's, who is uh, growing his church. So he is the one who's going to do this. And, and I think there are lots of you who therefore will be feeling adjustments going on in your life right now. There's no question. There is no question it's going to happen. Because if God, remember the Bible says that we're living stones, and that he's fitting those stones together. Now, we've got to work in relationship. And we've got, to, you know, we've got to get on with people. We've got to do the principles of spiritual disciplines, the values we hold as a church. But God uh, is building his church. Uh, and we're part of that. But there are functions we've got. So if he's messing around with foundations, that means these living stones are going to start getting a bit of rattle space. So 1 Corinthians 3.10 um, talks about foundations. And the apostle Paul talks about um, uh, the, the subject of foundations. According to the grace of God given to me, that's Paul, like a skilled master builder, I lay the foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. Now, Paul directly before this makes reference to, that everything is built on Christ. So he is, if you like, the rock on which we build. But Paul talks about him building. And you pick this theme up in Scripture. Now, who's ever been up the shard Anyone been up the Shard? Anyone know what the Shard is? <laughs> the Shard is the tallest building in Europe. Do you know how many trucks of concrete it took to create the foundations for that, for that building? I think it's over 300 meters tall. So to build a tall, tall building, uh, you have to have a lot of concrete in the foundations. So it's right on the edge of the River Thames, which means there's a danger. Um, you know, in, in building, if you're an architect, and we have one or two in our church, you know, for a building to stand solid, you have to have a number of different forces working on that building. You have to have stability underneath pushing up, but also you have to have the weight pushing down. If it's, if it's too much force upwards, you get a heave. And if it's too much weight pushing downwards, you get subsidence, uh, and things fall over. And you don't want to be at the top of the shard and land on St. Paul's Cathedral, do you? It, it would ruin your whole day. And, uh, and the whole of London, actually. <laughs> so, so you've got to get it right. So... 700 trucks of concrete were required to create that foundation now why do I talk about this why is God messing around with our foundations he's doing it because he's got a plan to build bigger stuff he's got a plan to build a bigger you a bigger me and a bigger presence in our community of his kingdom he's got a plan to do it he's decided he obviously has looked at you lot and thought you pray well you read your bibles well you're committed to church, you're committed to each other, therefore, you deserve to have your foundation shaken. <laughs> he's decided, he's decided in his wisdom, he's going to put his resource into this church. He's decided in his wisdom to put his resource into your life because he's building something, which means if it's going to be a small, who's got a garage? I've got a garage. It's attached to our building, so our house, but if you had a separate garage, you don't need much in the way of foundations. I think you only need a, you know, foot or two of concrete and but if you want to build a bigger building like the Shard, you've got to have loads of foundations. And they've got to be strong. And you need a master builder to make sure that thing doesn't fall over. So if we are being built by God, then our foundations have got to be rock solid. And that means you've got to do some work on it. It means that we've got to build wider and deeper. And we've got to really know what causes foundations to creak. And in a spiritual sense, I heard a really sad story this week. A friend of mine emailed me about a church in the States that for years has been calling itself missional. And they've been giving funds that have come into the UK and they've gone out through a charity I work with into various parts of Europe and Africa. And all of a sudden, the funds stopped coming through. And and he was trying to find out why. Someone from the church, after a long period of time, wrote back and said, we're going to give you our last quarterly advance payment uh, towards the support and that will be the last one. And of course, well, why the last one? Well, because this church, which is over a thousand people, has just dissolved. <laughs> how does a church with more than a thousand active members dissolve? I'll tell you why, because its foundations are shaky. Its foundations have somehow got soft or you know, it's not that Christ has gone soft, it's just that how that thing has been developed over time has become flawed and it's broken and therefore that gathering of people just doesn't exist anymore. That is mind-blowing. Now, of course, those people will have gone to other locations. The kingdom of God or, you know, God's work will set them into new locations. But we don't want that to happen here. So God is making sure that our foundations are deep. And um, so this was the very first day of the fast. God gave me this verse. And then yesterday, as I was finalizing preparations for the day, I, I was just reading the Bible, just thinking and praying and considering what God wanted to put in this message. And I came across a verse that I've never seen in my Bible before. It was in 1 Kings 6, verse 37. Um, you know that for the last two or three years, we've been talking about God's three-year plan for our church. Remember the scripture that you'll plant and harvest, that you will, he'll do stuff you didn't plant, you'll harvest what you didn't sow, but as the third year comes along, you'll begin to multiply. Well, God's been, he showed that to us very, very clearly. That was the plan for this church. And for those of you who've been around for a few years, you'll know that the last three or four years have been an important journey for us. Well, God gave me this verse yesterday, and it's just mind-blowing. 1 Kings 6:37. it says, In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. Now, I didn't know this verse existed till yesterday. I've probably read it in different versions, but I saw it as it's written, and I just felt, God, you're speaking to us right now. I wonder what the month of Ziv is. It's a weird thing. And the month of Ziv in the Hebrew calendar is between April and May. right? So right now, yesterday, God gave me that verse. And sometimes people get very kind of religious about it. What does the Bible say when you're going to make a next step or something's about to happen? Have you got that out of the Word? I remember what someone was saying to me. Did the Word of God tell you that? It, let me just tell you, God gave me that verse yesterday. And on, in our week of prayer and fasting, he said, I'm going to rock the foundations because I want to build something bigger that's got more diversity, stroke dimensions, got more capacity. Why? Because God's plan is to build, build, build. His God, God's plan is always to build up, never break down. He's just looking for people who'd be willing to build together. That's what God wants. If we, Unity. If we build together, God will pour in the concrete. He'll pour in the foundations. He'll pour in the resource. He'll pour it in. But if we get picky and kind of watching and stepping onto the sidelines, then we just become dysfunctional. We've all got that important part to play. So now kicking into the uh, Sermon on the Mount, we're going to start with Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2. Now Jesus uh, is teaching the people, or is about to teach the people, and he was with the crowds. Very interesting. So... He saw the crowds, seeing the crowds, he decided to go away from the crowds. The number of times Jesus has done this in Scripture is quite extraordinary. But it's almost like he, the crowds are good, but he wants to get away from crowd mentality into personal response. That's what he does. You can sit in the crowd and be almost a consumer in the crowd. You can, you can just take and consider and whatever. In fact, you can enjoy the spectacle but actually, Jesus wants us to get some stuff in our lives. And so he pulls away. And he went up to the mountain. And when he sat down, and in, in, in Jewish practice, sitting down is, is what um, a rabbi would do you know, when they carry spiritual authority. So that's why it makes references. He sat down. It wasn't because he just was, well, the rest. He, he, he's bringing his authority and consideration to these disciples. And it says they came to him. He didn't go chasing them. They came to him. Right? We have got to go to Christ. It came to him, and it says and he opened his mouth. That is a, um, in, in, in New Testament Jewish culture, when they use an expression like that, he opened his mouth, it means that they were now anticipating that he was going to bring them something very, very important. It's like an oracle of God, some profound statements about to come out. And then he launches into a, what we have is a number of verses, and those verses... Are so short and to the point. They're actually the introduction to Jesus' entire message, which is the Sermon on the Mount. So I can't. If we did, we could do a one week on each of those verses, but we're not going to. We're going to look at the whole message and refer back to the text that Jesus created, and that text is these these few verses. And uh, you know, as we as we look at this, we're going to get a, a few challenges. So, um, eight areas of God's blessing. There are eight areas that Jesus talks about blessing existing in his kingdom. Who wants to be blessed by God? Just show me your hands. Anyone in here want to be blessed? So often we attach blessing to, I want a new car. I want some new shoes. I want to go out for dinner. I want to find the right partner. I want to do this. So God, if you're there, that's what I want. And if I don't get it, then you're not blessing my life. God's blessing um, does happen in those situations. Don't get me wrong. But God's blessing is designed to directly impact some of the most difficult places in our life. And Jesus basically is saying, if these foundations are not in place, you're building on shaky, shaky ground. And that's what he's starting to teach on. So he starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's an understanding that you are dependent on God, not independent. So I made a contrast here. Human nature says that I can choose to do whatever I want, as long as it's lawful and legal, and sometimes it doesn't matter, but I want to be independent in my thinking. And independence is, you know, I would encourage independent thinking, but there has to be a dependence on God if we're kingdom people, a dependence on God. A dependence on Notice, not a dependence on the pastor, not a dependence on the life group leader, not a dependence on your boss, not a dependence on your husband or your wife. There's There's kind of a codependency thing going on there, but um, it's mutual, but it's a dependence on God. And we'll explore that a little later. Um, That's the first blessing. So what are these blessings? These blessings actually directly translate into the word uh, happiness or joy. So if you recognize that you're spiritually independent from God, then in that place, you can be filled with joy. Because God has got a purpose to come meet you where you are and help you to become dependent on him. And we'll look at that. The next one is, <clears throat> blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. And we've all been in difficult times where we've grieved and we've seen loss, we've seen um, pain. And we, life has got pain in it. And you may be going through pain right now. In your pain, God will meet you. He can turn sorrow into joy in his kingdom. Human nature is isolated and and holds on to personal pain. And then it comes out through reaction. It comes out through some other expression. It it does damage. The human nature linking to pain and loss is is self-destructive at times. And you know that. You know people around you who have been through pain and, and they process it badly sometimes. But the kingdom nature... Is that the Holy Spirit is with you and will bring joy in your time of loss. It's a shared Holy Spirit experience. And if you're in a place of loss right now, you can turn to God and say, God, bring your kingdom into my life. Help me to walk like a kingdom person as you worship and you pray. Your sorrow will turn to joy. That's supernatural. It doesn't make sense, but that's kingdom nature. The, thir- the next one is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is humility. Human nature is the proud um, look for self-preservation. Self-preservation. People, want- And you may say, well, I'm not proud, but you do what you want to do. Oh, you're not proud, but actually you have your way of doing things. And actually your way is the right way. <laughs> My way or the highway. You know, People are fundamentally, they want to be in control. And when you're in control, it can lead you into a place of stubborn self-preoccupation. Um, so um, human nature uh, is proud and self-preservation. Uh, pres- Kingdom nature is humility that serves a destiny. That's really important. It's humility that... These slides are jumping. Oops. It's humility that serves a destiny. Um, When we choose to be kingdom-minded, humility is a choice, but when you start to be humble, it produces something. It's an inheritance that you receive um, because it produces and serves a destiny. The next thing is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Human nature um, brings in this thought of emptiness and religious distrust. Human beings don't naturally feel full of God's presence they don't in fact we are lost before Christ um, has found us before the Holy Spirit comes into our lives it says we are empty and lost but when God comes to us there's a spiritual discovery and we start to become fulfilled and if right now now you can be a follower of Christ and be in a place of emptiness right you can be you know what that is it's that battle going on inside you that's human nature rising up and saying I'm the boss it's that human nature saying, no, 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 I'm in charge. And what that does is it makes you feel empty and it brings distrust about all things religious. And then you start to question the foundations of your family. This is why, if we're building big foundations going forward, we've got to build right. We have to have the kingdom nature, not human nature as a default. You have to work at that, that kingdom nature and discover that actually, in the frustration of emptiness, God can bring joy and happiness. That's what God's blessing is because you will be there. We've all at times been in a place of feeling empty and God can bring spiritual discovery and fulfillment. It says, blessed are the merciful. We will receive or they will receive mercy. Human condition, the human nature is a condition of retaliation or conditional retaliation. You may think these are long words, but human nature makes relationship conditional all the time. If you don't do it my way, then I'm not being your friend. If you don't agree with my philosophy, I'm not hanging out with you. Social media is full of people with opinions. Blogs putting theology in front of relationship. Blogs using every form of ammunition to destroy and pull down somebody else. People do not exercise mercy. They don't. Exercising mercy is simply this. If someone really offends you and you've got the right to pull them down a peg or two, you say, you know what? that's not my job. I'm going I'm to let that go. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm going to exercise a choice to unconditionally forgive them, even though I'm suffering the pain. So in words, you're in a position where you could destroy somebody else, but you say, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to make the choice to unconditionally forgive. This is very, very difficult. This is difficult. <laughs> this is really difficult. You know it, and I know it. When people hurt your family, when they hurt your situation, when they hurt your, your life, and people do it, you don't want them to get off. You don't. You want them to pay a price. You want them to suffer. Human nature wants people to suffer. You may disagree with me, and let me tell you this. In the heart of hearts, human nature wants people to bear punishment for what they do wrong. But mercy is possible in the kingdom of God. Unconditional forgiveness is God's incredible tool to open up incredible foundational opportunities in your life. So we've got to live with a nature that is a kingdom nature. Blessed are pure in heart, they will see God. Human nature is fundamentally hearts are hardened by sin. We may not even acknowledge it. You may say, well, I'm no sinner. I'm, I'm a good person. But human hearts are hardened. They're hardened because of the sin in the world. They're hardened by the experiences they go through. They're hardened by the pain they've endured. They're hardened because of rejection. They're hardened because someone in church offended me. They're hardened because because of some leader somewhere. They're hardened because their boss offended them. They become hardened. And then we start to behave sinfully. But kingdom nature has hearts that are softened by God's grace. They're softened. They're softened. And what happens with softened hearts? You see God. Now, I'm going to talk about something that's happened this week. Um, I had a call on, fr- on Sunday night with Erica and Lisa in Macedonia. And they were going through a really difficult time. And some of you have been tracking what's been happening in Macedonia. Erica and Lisa, if you don't know, are missionaries with their family. And um, their daughter was down in New Zealand and went through a very, 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 very difficult time. And ended up in hospital really uh, in a critical condition, was really at the point of potentially dying. And, you know, it's just painful. And I spoke with Eric and Lisa on Skype, we prayed together, and I could feel the pressure of the pain that they were in. As we prayed, I'm thinking, God, what can we do? It even makes me choke up now, thinking about the impossible scenario. They've got to get to New Zealand from Macedonia. We're waiting for visas, and they've extended their stay, which means if they go through border agency, they'll get arrested. And I said to them, well, you just have to do what the doctor says. And, and they wait for the call, and they get a call, we've got to go, it's urgent, you've got to go now. And that's where they were. They had to get to New Zealand. Now, as a church, we were able to step in with a bit of finance, but let me, and many of you have also done that. But let me say, it's a terror. They got arrested at the airport, got put into custody, had all sorts of difficulties, corporate, and Abby is with us this morning. In impossible situations, the pure in heart will see God. And you know what? With prayer, faithfulness, and obedience, the whole family have just walked through that and we walk with them. And as of today, it looks like medically BC is just back on their feet. It's incredible, isn't it? I, I it. it it's as though an impossible situation. Got transformed, and that's when you see God. You see God when you are pure in heart and your motives are kingdom-minded and they're not self-centered. Because otherwise you get distracted by all sorts of and hard hearts, they, they can come out of other things, they come out of messing around with sexual things, not being accountable for your own behavior in those areas, not being accountable for your own finances properly, doing things inappropriate, breaking principles of kingdom. That's when your heart gets hard. But when it's soft. And when it's able to see God, things happen. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. Human nature fights for personal rights. Kingdom nature mediates justice and draws in the truth. That's who we are. We are mediators of justice who draw in the truth. Now, there are other organizations and agencies that do it. But Jesus Christ gave his life so that we could bring that very competence into situations where there's massive, massive confusion and aggression. Why? Blessed are the peacemakers. There'll be joy in places where there's turmoil. Blessed are the peacemakers. You can see pain turn to joy. Just thinking back about the hard heart one and, and soft hearts of seeing God. Right now, I think there's a lot of celebration going on about BC. And it's brilliant that Abby's here this morning and just able to be part of that celebration with us. You fly out to New Zealand on Monday to see your sister. Uh, and then finally, blessed are those persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? This, the kingdom of heaven expressions come back in Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. It's the rule and reign of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of Christ. Human nature is changeable and condemns. Kingdom nature is selflessly living like Christ. They're totally opposed to each other. Human nature is changeable. It's blown by the crowd, blown blown by social media, blown by circumstances, and it condemns. If it doesn't like it, it condemns it. I mean, right now there's condemnation all over the place. You just need to step into your workplace, into the high street. People have got opinions and they're condemning stuff. Kingdom nature is selflessly living like Christ and recognizing what really, really is important. And in this subject of persecution, last week there was the AOG National Conference. Um, In my role as mission leader for AOG, um, I was able to be involved in a number of meetings that we led. And I invited Um, a number of missionaries. We've got 120 missionaries worldwide that are part of the AOG family. And and I invited all those in the conference to come on stage. So in front of 1,400 people, we had 25 missionaries. And some of those people are from countries where it's very, very dangerous. And I had to ask the whole crowd not to take photos and don't put anything on social media because it's so dangerous. Did you know 90,000 people a year, research tells us 90,000 people a year are martyred for their faith. 90,000, one every six minutes in our world right now is dying because they have put Jesus Christ at the center of their life and they won't compromise on their faith. They will live for Christ. To die is gain. Yet we don't build good foundations. We float between ideas and things that you know we like doing. And, you know, as we go forward, I'm just going to open up one of these blessing statements. The very first one, R.T. Kendall says they're progressive. You have to start with understanding that we are poor in heart, or sorry, poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we don't recognize our dependence on God, we actually can't go through any of the other stuff with any strength. Blessing is God's ongoing presence. It's the combination of His joy and His strength bundled together. It's God's presence. Two key verses, Psalm 16:11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. So if a blessing is a place of joy, then by default, Christ, the Spirit of God, is in the pain. It's in the pressure point. He's there. Nehemiah 8:10. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, Blessing is all about the presence of God in your situation. So it's not like a notional novelty idea, oh, there's blessing you know, when you're having a tough time. No, no. Christ himself is in there with you. He's right in there. He's in it. He's in it. And he knows what it is to be like, And he's in it by his spirit. And you can know it because every one of these blessings is spirit-based. They're, they're kingdom-minded, spirit-based, directive things that we can call on God and he's there. That's amazing. That's where the blessing is. The blessing isn't the flash car, isn't a, you know, a new pair of shoes. The blessing is solving the pain and coming through it with joy. That's it because the world is being killed by the very same thing. But in the kingdom of God, you can come through with the presence of Christ. So how do we draw dependency on God? I'll give you four very simple things before we finish this morning. Four very simple things. The first is we can depend on God's wisdom. Human beings are not that smart. We think we are, we pretend we are, but we're not. And if you try and build your life on your own wisdom, it will not work. It says in Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So you want to prove that to be true? Spend your whole life having your own wisdom. But if you want to call on God, Ecclesiastes two twenty six says, For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. So if we please God, God has will give wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Interesting second part of this verse. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one that pleases God. Who likes this verse? I think we should pray this verse into reality. Come on. We could just be in our holy huddle and just pray, thank you, Lord. for. No, I mean, obviously we've got to do the right thing. But isn't it interesting that God moves resource around and gives to those who need it who please him? God's going to do that. He will draw out of the world what is needed for his kingdom to be built with solid foundations. And by the way, Paul goes on to say in Corinthians that how we build will be tested at the judgment. And it'll be tested by what? Fire. And whatever you build with, wood, straw, precious stones, it'll be tested by fire. And you could spend your whole life building on what you think is a good thing, but your foundations are dodgy, right? And when it comes to the test, it's shown to be no value. That's what the Bible says. They'll find this. And it says they'll even get into heaven you know, as one who's just jumped through a wall of flame. Can you believe that? You could spend, as a follower of Christ, your whole life doing things in your own wisdom, but you're forgetting that you're building wrong. Right? And you get into heaven. you literally like someone jumping through a wall of flame. That is terrible. I want my life to count for something, don't you? We've got to build on good stuff. Secondly, depend on God's Spirit or through His strength. Depend on His strength. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. So this blessing that God is talking about, depending on God, you need to feel poor in spirit. You need to start as one who is poor in spirit. Because then you put your dependency on God. And you can do that through his wisdom and then ask for his strength. And when his strength kicks in, what happens? I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. (laughs) Have you ever heard someone who sings praise songs walking around the house? We have one or two in my house that do that. I'm thinking there's no pressure in that world. (laughs) Anyway, the Lord is my strength. And then Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak. And strength to the powerless. That's God's agenda. His plan is if you are in a place of difficulty, that he will give you power. And that might be you right now. You need his strength. You need it. And if there's no joy in your situation, you need to get a kingdom mindset into what you're doing. So depend on his wisdom, his strength, depend on his timing. Psalm 31:15. My future is in God's hands. It's in your hands. My future. Everything about your life is in God's hands. Isaiah 60, At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Why does the theatre want to partner with us? Why does Starbucks want to partner with us? Because it's the right time. God is making things happen now. You know, the timing of that verse in Kings is now. It's the right time. Now is the right time. God is messing around with our foundations. Why? To reset it, to hold a lot more than it's been holding. And finally... How do we depend on God? And there are other ways, but depend on His provision. Philippians 4.19 And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God provides everything. He provides it. What's it say in Psalm 84, 11, second part? The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. We've got to do things that are right. We've got to do kingdom stuff. We've got to show generosity. We've got to... Give to God what is God's. We've got to be livers of it. We've got to be people who want to connect with people. We've got to be missional. We've got to share faith. We've got to want to make disciples. We've got to be active in his kingdom. We do all that stuff. He will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Can I have the band with me? We're just going to close this down in just a moment. I just want to say, um, the blessed life will build great rewards. You know, at the theater... I'm literally going to stop with this actually, so if you band can get ready. At the theatre, it was brilliant. We saw people respond to the gospel. Um, I prayed for a young guy. I tell you, every gospel that we give out, don't just give them away. I mean, give them away, but attach a conversation to these gospels. There's an illustration in them about how people can cross from death to life. It shows people what separates man from God. We've got 2,175 of these little gospels. This could be 2,175 people in our hands. Don't take them and stick them on your shelf at home and blow the dust off next Sunday. Take them and use them. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great. You know, I sat, I stood at the front last Sunday at the theatre and people came forward they wanted to be prayed for and a young lad, 13, came up with his mum behind him, his father behind her and um, I said what is it you like and he said I want to follow Jesus every soul is precious to God and we are trusted with building foundations that will draw them in this young lad I led him in a personal prayer and he stood there and I said to him do you really want to follow Jesus or would you just like me to pray a blessing in your life and he said I want to follow Jesus I want to serve him 13 year old boy That's what this is about, right? It's not about being at the theatre as such. It's about reaching the lost, getting our foundations right, showing people that they can live in God's kingdom nature, not in human nature. There's a completely new world to discover and we're in the world and we we have human natures and we're battling against those frustrations, but we can live in a blessed place where there's joy. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory. That's where God's called us to live and there are thousands and thousands of people. If you take one of these Gospels, you could be someone who reaches 2,170 people for Christ at your own pace why don't you do it let's stand I just want to pray for that young lad Um, Lord we just pray for that young guy guy who gave his life to Christ on Sunday thank you Lord that you changed his life thank you Lord that you're changing us we're going to sing a song now let me just tell you God's timing is perfect the parents of that young boy said we've been praying for ages that he'd give his life to Christ Sunday was his time who knows what God's plan let's just worship him.